<clears throat> Hi everyone, this is Lee Kai Gu. Welcome back to A Pot of Goos. And we are in episode two today. And I am again with my dad, George Gu. And we'll be picking off some of what we left off uh, the last time in episode one, um, as well as touch on a, a few additional things. But first, we have a, a very avid listener, uh, my sister Lillian, who sent in a lot of follow-up questions already uh, with regards to the content we covered in episode one. So um, we're going to go through some of those questions first, and my dad is just going to quickly, uh, quickly address some of those questions, and then we'll move on to the, the meat of the episode. Okay. So um, to start, I think one question uh, my sister had was, how did Inya and Yaya, which is my grandpa and my grandma, how did they meet originally? Uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, Yaya was a schoolmate of Inya's brother. So uh, <clears throat> at that time, uh, Inya's family, uh, they have a large tract of land in uh, present-day uh, Pudong. Uh, so there's also a uh, uh, another schoolmate by the name of uh, who is now a uh, Dr. Pao, uh, okay. who was living who was living in uh, who was living in uh, Cleveland. Uh, he, he was a professor uh, in uh, Northwestern University, and he was involved in uh, laser or something like that. And anyway, he's got patents and stuff like that. So he, he claims his contribution to the school, to the university, is more than his salary anyway. Mm. So they were schoolmates. Mm. And this Dr. Powell, uh, I think he's, he's got some British blood or something in him anyway. So the three of them, they were schoolmates, and they, they were all going to Pudong. Um, uh, Nya's uh, father's house. Uh, they had a big pond there. Okay. So I heard the three of them, uh, Yaya, Nya's uh, brother, mm-hmm. and this Dr. Pao, they they built a boat so they can row the boat. Wow, it was a uh, big pond then. <laughs> it should be a boat. <laughs> it sounds like a really big pond. Yeah. I was imagining a small one. Okay. So uh, I guess that's how they met. <laughs> so he built a boat and... Um, and, she, and in her house, basically, yeah. uh, and then they met through basically uh, her brother. Yeah, right. And um, was it, I guess, knowing my sister, she's going to want some details. So uh, was it love at first sight? Did he approach her? Did she approach him? Do you know any details about how that courtship went? That I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So maybe we'll save some of the, the juicy details of that uh, for another guest who, who might have more of this information. Um, and what about Inyan's parents is the follow-up question for uh, the second question. Um, did they stay in China during the, the war as well? Uh, yes, they did. Actually, uh, uh, my wife, so that's like Inyan's uh, mother. Mother, right. She, she came out... Um, after we got back to, uh, we were in Hong Kong. So he moved, she moved to Hong Kong, actually. Okay. And stayed with us for quite a number of years. Okay. 
So, but this was, did she go to Hong Kong um, immediately during the war when you all moved to Hong Kong? Or? No, she, she moved uh, much later. Much later. After we moved to this big house. I see. Uh, then one day she showed up uh, and she stayed with us. Um, and then later on, uh, because we all moved back or whatever, she moved back to China and stayed with Nya's uh, uh, brother. I see. And then her brother came out as well, um, but not for long. She, I think he came, he, he, not to Hong Kong though, but uh, I met him in Canada. He went to Canada, okay, and then he stayed with his children, uh, either in the States or Canada. I then see. they all moved back. I see. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next, what happened to the dairy farming? Um, did we lose the land uh, that great grandfather bought, or did Yaya's brother mm-hmm. then ended up studying something else after fam- after the family moved back to Taiwan? Um, I'm not too sure what happened to it, but I I think you know because of the uh, when the uh, communists took over, everything goes back to to the government actually. Mm-hmm. So that's how we probably don't don't have anything. I see. And uh, <clears throat> I kind of doubt that we even actually uh, own it because what happened was, uh, you know, when uh, China opened up again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we went back to China and uh, Yaya never mentioned about the land, that dairy farm land I see. anymore. But um, we did try to locate our house, the the place where we live in. Right. Uh, I I visited that place, the the house. Okay. Uh, when I went back there, um, <clears throat> and it was occupied. A couple of um, families in there already. But I think three or five families were living in there. But like, not, not related to us. No, not related to us. And I think each one occupies a room. Like one family takes one room and I the see. other one takes another. And later on, that house was uh, took over by the government and uh, some kind of military units were stationed in there. Ah, or some Or their dormitory or what have you. And uh, recently I went back there. I couldn't even find it anymore. Because that uh, whole number is, um, has disappeared. The street number has disappeared. I see. So I couldn't find it. I see. So they must have converted into some, some other apartment buildings or what have you. Yeah. Um, but we do stay in touch mm-hmm. with some of the other branches uh, of our family that remained in China, right? Um, uh, so I know there was a couple of trips out where you guys went back to, to reconnect with them. Yeah. Uh, the four brothers, like my grandfather's, they had four brothers. So the, I went, when I went back there, I managed to visit uh, number, number four, the number four brother's family, as well as the number two branch. But at that time, number one, uh, the, the elder brother has passed away already. I see. Yeah. And later on, of course, uh, all of them passed away by now. Right. Uh, I have not been, we have been in touch. And Yaya actually had a gathering uh, for the, the family reunion, in a, in a way. When he was in, when we were celebrating his 80th birthday or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, it was with his cousins, basically, right? Yeah, that's yeah. right, with yeah. all his cousins. Yeah. Uh, so, but then, 
Um, we haven't been in touch uh, after that, actually. I see. Yeah. I see. Um, okay. And then moving on to some of the your experiences in uh, in college that we touched on last time. Uh, so my sister is very curious about um, your college roommate, whose also name was George, uh, the one who taught you to uh, eat in the vending through the vending machine. Are you still in touch with him? Have you looked him up on Facebook, LinkedIn, or something? Yeah, he actually found me on Facebook. <laughs> Technology. And, yeah, he found me on Facebook, but um, we had a few exchanges, but then, you know, our background so diverse after that, we haven't been in touch for, you know, ever since. He, he got into some kind of a political thing or writing for some political, about politics or what have you. Really? Yeah, about U.S. politics and what have you. I but, see. Yeah, uh, I think you can still find him. I still see his name pop up once in a while on, on my Facebook, but uh, that's about it. <laughs> I, I see. Interesting. Um, and of course, uh, being my sister, she wants to know uh, some of the juicy gossip around whether or not you had any girlfriends in high school, college, or grad school. I'm sure you did, uh, but she wants, to, she wants to know some more details around that. Well... I think as long as mom is around, I'm going to skip this question. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you'll have to ask her. You'll have to ask him uh, offline about that. I'm afraid, William. Um, what about the overall uh, NC State um, college environment? Was you know I think from our generation when we went to college, uh, you know we imagine or the the college experience that we had generally was pretty diverse. You have you know, different types of races. By that time, a lot of international students were going to college in the U.S. Um, but during the time when you went, was it also the same? Or, uh, or was it more, more uh, just being in North Carolina, more white men uh, attending college? Well, it's true. I, I don't remember I have any of the, any uh, black uh, schoolmates, actually. Oh. Um, and uh, as far as the Chinese goes, there was a large community of uh, Chinese students. Mm-hmm. But uh, the, the, most of them, they were from Taiwan. Okay. And at that time, we always considered ourselves from Hong Kong. Right. You know, because to, to us, Taiwan is not really home. You right. Know, Hong Kong was our home. And uh, there, there are not that many... Also, because the students from Taiwan, they're all grad students, mm-hmm. and I was doing undergrad there. Right. So only a couple of, uh, only some of the uh, Hong Kong students, they were uh, going to undergrad. So I kind of stick with the Hong Kong students. I see. Uh, instead of the Taiwan uh, uh, students. So there weren't that many uh, students from China. <clears throat> I don't. I don't think there was any. Oh. Yeah. Wow. It's not open up yet. So. I see. I see. Yeah. So um, I guess you guys identify yourselves as, you know, maybe ethnically Chinese, but from Hong Kong, um, and then you know, uh, not necessarily, but not not necessarily from Taiwan. Yeah. I see. Okay. And then why did uh, why did Uncle Nick then choose to go to college in, in Canada uh, when all of you guys went to college in the U.S.? Well, it's, he actually he went to high school in Canada. Okay. And then he, of course, ended up in going to college in Canada. I see. But I think at that time, because we were all moving away, right? You know, everybody's out of Hong Kong or we're, we're sort of, you know. So for him, it's, uh, it's easier for him to go to uh, a high school in Canada. Mm-hmm. 
And at that time, I think the Chu family was in Canada, so I guess, you know, it's more natural for him. Someone to look out for. Yeah, him. right, right. I and see. of course, when I moved to Canada, he, he moved out uh, to stay with me. Right. Okay, um, so I think that's, uh, she had many, many additional questions, but maybe we'll end there first uh, in the interest of moving on. Um, so moving on to just a quick recap for where we left off in the first episode. Uh, my father had just finished uh, graduate school, I think, in Columbia in New York, and uh, you were in the process, I, I believe, of moving to Canada. So, you know, maybe picking up from there, why did you, after after graduating from Columbia, getting your MBA, uh, what was the plan? What was the next step for you? Well, of course, the first thing, when you graduate, you look for a job. Right. So, as I said, I, I asked, actually, Yaya for advice whether I should go work for a large company or a small company. Right. But he never did give me a good answer. <laughs> so, I thought of, because I always wanted to have my own business or doing something on my own. So I figured maybe I can learn more from a small company. Okay. So I end up working for a company that's really too small. It's a trading company that's um, it's a Portuguese company. And they were selling all kinds of stuff to Angora or uh, Mozambique and places like that. This was in Canada? Or? No, in, the, this is in, in New, New York. York in okay. New York, yeah. So this is right after you graduate. And yeah, and not too long after my graduation, I think uh, Nixon recognized uh, China. Right. So they hired me thinking that it might be an opportunity to develop into China and what have you. Sure. Yeah, but um, so I worked f- for that company for a little while, and I think basically there were, I even had an j- education on brass. Mm-hmm. Because they were selling bras to, uh, oh, bras like bras, female bras, that's right? <laughs> to uh, Africa. So this guy was explaining to me all the different sizes and all that, <laughs> which help, which uh, maybe was helpful uh, later down the road. Um, but was that the? I guess my question would be: Was that the, a typical path uh, for a Columbia MBA grad? Or you know, I think now you think. Um, you know, every couple of years, there is this trend, right, for MBAs to go into a certain industry. You know, the, the people from Wharton would go into finance. People in Columbia maybe would also go into finance or, or other executive uh, training-type programs. Um, you know, what, what kind of connected you to that, that Portuguese company? Well, no, I just applied. I mean, you know, it's not that, you know, it, and also I was kind of, uh, at that time it was the, the uh, in those days, we were, all, we were sort of like, you know, the righteous people. Okay. And uh, so, we're, you know, we don't like people, we don't like tobacco and stuff like that. Right. So I actually signed up for a couple of companies that are doing this kind of stuff, just to mess them up. Oh, you know, to sign for, up for a couple for, of co- for, tobacco for, companies. No, for interviews. Okay. So just take up the slots and <laughs> give them a lot of bad answers. <laughs> That's very noble. <laughs> <laughs> but I was looking for a, a small company and also, of course, at that time, foreign students, we still face the same same problem as the foreign students now, because we have only an eighteen months uh, training. Right. Uh, the H one visa. OPT. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I was thinking, well, maybe I should 
worked for that and then what to do and sort of, you know, going back and forth type of thing. I see. So I found this small companies. I started with this trading companies and then, of course, later on I didn't like it and then uh, I figured I should just move up to Canada because of the war, the Vietnamese war and all that. Okay. And, uh, and then when I immigrated to Canada because then I, I became a landed, uh, you know, uh, immigrant. Right. So for that, I, it's much easier to find a job. I see. Yeah. I see. Um, sorry, you said that uh, the war was part of the reason, or the Vietnam War was part of the reason why you decided to move to Canada. Um, how, how big of a factor was that? Or, you know, were you just also looking for a place with more opportunities for you? Uh, well, I think that, that's a very big factor because, you know, you get drafted. Right. And then we figured out we're going to waste your time, you know. And so even as a foreign student there, you could potentially get drafted. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. I see. And then when you get drafted, they will. I, uh, some people got drafted and then they end up in Korea or places like that. Right. And to become an interpreter. Right. Of something. You right. Know, or to for, for listening to the radios and all kinds of stuff, which is kind of a waste of time to me. So I, I decided to go to Canada. Okay. And then what happened then after uh, you landed in Canada? How did you, what, what type of work were you looking for? Well, I was trying to find a job. So, you know, with the textile background. Yeah. And um, I ended up getting a job uh, with a company called Brown's Linens. Okay. And that company is actually uh, a distributor for a U.S. company uh, called Fieldcrest. Okay. Uh, that's eventually they got taken over by Canon, mm. and they were selling you know towels, uh, bed sheets, uh, shower curtains, stuff like that. Okay. Yeah. So it was quite interesting because it's like. What was your position there? I was an assistant to the president. Oh. Okay. Yeah. So and I put in a computer system for them, and then you know, and uh, it's a small company, but uh, it's quite interesting to work for because it's like a fashion industry for the uh, beds and linens right, right, <laughs> area. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I, I worked there till, you know, till almost, yeah, I worked there for all the time I was in Canada, actually. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I didn't, how, I how many years was that? Well, I was there, I think, at least five years, right? Because I got my, because at that time, uh, you had to be in Canada for five years to become a citizen. Right. Yeah. And it was that easy that you could go in as a landed immigrant and just stay there five years, find a job, and then get uh, become a citizen? Yeah, as long as you, you know, once you landed, after you stay there for five years, you get a citizenship. I see. So it's not hard because you're actually living there, right? right. It's not like, you know, some of the U.S. Uh, green card holders that are trying to fulfill the number of uh, months in sure. the U.S. Sure. per year. Sure. So um, that was... That wasn't really tough. Of course, now it's much easier. It's only three years. Mm. So at that time, it was five years. But to us, it doesn't make any difference. So during um, that time, um, you know, did you also, like during those five years, were those times where you thought about moving back to Taiwan or Hong Kong uh, to uh, reconnect no, with Yaya? No, not at all. You were kind of just living I was having your own fun, life. Yeah. <laughs> the, the only non-fun part is really to stay, to having to stay with the brothers instead of being a happy single guy. Ah, <laughs> I see. Okay, so, so tell me more about that. How, did, like, how and when did the brothers kind of join you uh, to all live in Canada? No, I think uh, 
Nick was there right from the beginning. Okay, so he was already there. Yeah, and then Ken, Ken uh, came up, and uh, so the three of us stayed together. I see. Uh, we got an apartment, and uh, we stayed together. And so we split the job, and, you know, and so every weekend we have to do our laundry, we have to go out for grocery shopping, and all this kind of stuff. Right, right. <laughs> Uh, so Uncle Nick was there, uh, still going to college at that point. Yeah, he was going. Well, Canada is like using the British system, so he was going to a St Andrews College, but that's really high school. Actually. Okay, okay. Yeah, he was going there. Okay, and Uncle Ken was there for university, um, or for, or he had already graduated. Graduated already. Okay. Yeah. So he was working. Uh, yeah. Then we form a company called Union Cafe, which is still existing, and uh, now. Uh, uh, Uncle Nick is the oh, share oh sole shareholder. shareholders. I right see. Now, yeah. I see. So this so this was on the side when you were still working at Brown's Linens. So uh, yeah. We yeah. formed the company on the side. So so tell me more about this company. What what did you guys do, or why did you guys decide to form this company? Well, we sort of wanted to. Well, because also there's another guy uh, who was working for Mr. Chu in Taiwan. Okay. He's much oh, uh, you know older guy than us. And so he was uh, sort of connecting us to the Taiwan companies and all that. And so we formed this, this uh, Union Cafe, and, um, uh, you know, Chu's family's got Lulu, Lulu, I don't know, uh, that's the, the eldest daughter. Right. Her husband, uh, Peter, mm-hmm. uh, and I, uh, together, we, we formed this company, okay. Union Cafe. Okay. Yeah. So we were selling light bulbs. We were selling uh, what else? We were selling. Oh, the this guy from this this uh, guy from uh, uh, Mr. Chu's company. He one day brought us uh, two bicycles. Okay. And that was actually the beginning of a giant bicycle company. Oh. He did. He said when he was going on uh, on the plane this. This giant's uh, owner came to him and gave him two bicycles and asked him to to sell it in Canada. Oh wow! So he was he was the first uh, giant distributor. In no, no, Canada. no. This guy just trying to you know at that time I think giants just trying to sell anyway. Sure. It doesn't sure. matter whether you're a distributor or what, just sure. to sell it, right? So we got this these two bicycles and I was thinking of the bicycles around and and showing it to bicycle shops. And they were all telling me that was how lousy it was and commenting <laughs> about it. And of course, I don't know anything about bicycles. Sure. Anyway. So they were telling me what's wrong with the bike and all these quality problems. And, you know, so we gave up actually. If we're stuck to it, maybe. Yeah, it might, <laughs> might have been a big business. That's right. Waited, waited for the product to mature. Yeah. Um, so it, I guess it was mainly an, an import uh, export business. Um, yeah, and uh, and then of course later on, I think Peter. Peter Chang, you know, like Lulu's husband, he yeah. dropped out. So then Uncle came, Ken came along, and then so we tried to get business going. And Yaya, you know, was anxious to 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 get us to sell something or whatever. So he wanted to see some action. He wanted to see so, some, some yeah, results. Yeah, and uh, without even asking us, he one day shipped a whole container load <laughs> of bamboo furniture to us. <laughs> Where did you guys store it? So we we had to, we have to find a warehouse, and use the warehouse and as an office at the same time, and 
it was really tough because you know we're trying to save money, so we had to do all the labor work. We have to unload it and oh, then, man. you know get the whole thing down and then you know put it up. But unfortunately, of course, we sold some of it, not yeah. all. But unfortunately, you know, bamboo in Taiwan is fine, but once in Canada, it's too dry and they start cracking. Uh. So we'll be sitting in the office, and the the whole day you can hear these bamboos cracking. It's like, <laughs> you know, firecrackers going on. And that's basically your uh, your money cracking away, that's, right? That's because right. <laughs> you couldn't sell it anymore after it cracks. <laughs> so. Did you end up selling those, those uh, that furniture? I don't remember <laughs> what happened to them afterwards. Maybe I left them. <laughs> so, but those were tough, you know. I mean, I and guess it was a it was a good uh, introduction to to just doing business cross border um, import export business. Yeah, and also one time, uh, uh, Cindy Hughes, I don't know what you know. Her father was the was a partner of uh, Yaya mm-hmm. in uh, in the weaving factory. So he was in the knitting. Right. He was in knitting, and then uh, I don't know what happened. Uh, he was selling a whole sh- container load of uh, kids' sweater to some some place. Okay. And somehow he got rejected on those pieces. Okay. So and then he just said, "Okay, I'm diverting them to Canada." Hmm. So we end up having a whole container load of. Uh, Sweaters. <laughs> Did you sell them? So we were trying to sell them as well. Yeah. And uh, it was tough. We, we sold a few of them, not too many actually. I see. And then luckily he found another buyer and asked us to re, you know, load it up and sell it somewhere. Sell it off somewhere else. <laughs> so people were just sending you random crates of, of stuff yeah. um, because you were the import-export business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you guys were charged to selling it. So, yeah. Interesting. Uh, Okay, so how did that company then move on to the next stage? Uh, you know, was there a kind of, uh, you said there's different partners dropping in and out. Uh, well, actually, I dropped out. Okay, okay. <laughs> when I got married, I dropped out. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I remember this is kind of where my, my mom comes in. So, uh, I think I've heard this story before, but can you tell our listeners a little bit more about how that happened? Oh, with mom? Yeah. Uh, how I, I met your mom? Yes. Okay. Um, I was, uh, at that time I was coming, like, you know, I was still coming back to Taiwan, uh, kind of, uh, let me see, oh, uh, actually, you know, with Browns Linens, uh, after a while, we, the Browns, the boss of the Browns Linens, he, uh, he had a thought about uh, doing linens and stuff like that, we were doing, uh, like, um, what you call it, the uh, widget, the, the gloves that you put on to take hot stuff out of the... Uh, oh, like um, uh, hot mittens type, of cut, yeah, yeah. like kitchen like, gloves, yeah. right. Gloves and all that. So uh, he had an idea. He said instead of letting the, uh, the other companies uh, taking a cut on it, we should get into a business and uh, we do it ourselves. So him and I form a company. Uh, you and you and your boss at the time. Yeah, yeah. So okay. we the company is called B and G. Okay. Okay, it's Browns Linens and Goo. <laughs> so we formed this company, and then we were shipping, you know, fabrics and raw materials up to Toronto. Okay. 
and then we cut it ourselves and we hire sewers and to sew it together and then you know we sell it oh i see so you you're actually manufacturing these hot gloves yeah yeah, yeah. um gloves and yourselves uh, aprons and what have you yeah. i see why didn't he just do it out of his existing company? Why did he form a, a separate company with? with I think you? there were other shareholders in the in the Browns Linens. Oh, I at see. That time, yeah. I see. So he wanted to to. Uh, I guess he worked with you for a couple of years, and he yeah, and he had some with connections you. with I, Irish uh, in Ireland, with an Irish company, and so I was sent one time uh, to North Carolina, to Fieldcrest uh, Manufacturing Plant, mm-hmm. and my mission was trying to figure it out. Uh, how come? How can they make such a good piece of uh, towers? Okay. Yeah. So. What was the uh, What was the answer? Well, you just have to. I guess you know, you have to have good cottons and you have to knit them very knit them very tight. <laughs> okay. So just just having good materials and having good uh, yeah, 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 good work. Yeah, there's a lot of. Uh, uh, but anyway. Because I think they, they were thinking of setting up a tower factory in Ireland. I so see. They were talking about it. Okay, so um, while working in Canada, I still get to come back to Taiwan, you know, once in a while. Right. Uh, so uh, one day, uh, Yaya took me out to meet some people uh, of his friends, actually, and bankers uh, for lunch. Okay. And uh, May's father was among one of them. Okay. And so we got to talk, and then he said, "Oh, I have a daughter in uh, in the U.S." Mm. And so he pulled out this picture, this very uh, very small picture, actually a little picture. And um, you know, May, your mother was uh, standing in front of a car, and uh, with sunglasses. So I couldn't see a thing. <laughs> <laughs> the picture itself was small in, in the first place. So plus, sure. in the, in the, you know, in the, in the picture of a car, and uh, that's the, the car takes up the whole picture almost. Okay. So it's a very small picture. I said, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, because it doesn't mean a thing. You know, she's in U.S. and I was you were in, in Canada. In Canada, so yeah. it, it doesn't mean. A thing. I said, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was it, and I, I think. Uh, about a year passed along, and of course he asked, I think he asked me to call call May or something, so uh, I probably I'm not sure I call her or not, but anyway if it's, if I call her, it was just to say hello, I met your dad and, and you know <laughs> you? but you never met her before at that point yeah right yeah and then um, then he uh, may graduated, so um, uh, her father was going to for going to New York for a business meeting, and then to uh, to a graduation. Right. Uh, you know. And she was at Brown at the she time. She was at Brown. At right. Time. So right, he went. He was going to New York and then Rhode Island yeah. for uh, her graduation. Right. Okay. And uh, then Yaya called me and said, uh, you know, go to New York and meet uh, this uh, the president of uh, the Bank of Taiwan. Right. So to me, it was basically a purely a, a, a business meeting. Right. You felt like Yaya was just asking you to go network with yeah, right. uh, someone who might, might be able to help uh, us or yeah, you right. going forward. So I called May, and then you know we, we, we kind of uh, arranged a time to meet. Uh, so we actually met 
at the um, uh, Kennedy Airport. Okay. Yeah. That was the first time you saw each other. That was the first time. So we're waiting for her father to arrive and all that. So that's how we met. So I didn't know about the graduation at all. So I thought I would just send up, spend a couple of days, you know, sort of uh, taking care of her dad. And, of course, uh, I didn't even know where to stay or what, you know. And from the airport, there were a couple of guys, you know, there already uh, picking him up. And then so... So all, other people also So there. other people there. Oh, okay. So we went to his... Uh, his, I think it was his schoolmate's uh, house. I don't even know where, but somewhere, uh, you know, near New York mm-hmm. uh, or in New York. Uh, this guy's name is Lu Yizhen. Okay. He was like an ambassador uh, to uh, to U.S. or whatever. Mm. You know, he's, he's quite famous, really, okay. actually, as, as a diplomat. So he was a diplomat. As a diplomat's house. Okay. So then... Uh, and that night, like they were having a school uh, school gathering, mm. so uh, her father said, "Well, why don't you take you know me out?" Uh, so I just think of a place to for her to eat, right? Mm. So at that time, uh, tapanyaki was just coming up. Mm. You know, it's becoming popular. Okay. So I took her to this uh, tapanyaki place. Right. So. Um, so he was trying to set you up with her. I- it sounds like the whole time, but maybe you didn't. Yeah, you didn't I get didn't, it yet. I didn't get it. <laughs> so, so anyway, so we I took her there, and then by the time we came back home, uh, everybody was drunk. Right. So it's like zombies walking around the house. <laughs> so all these. My all, grandpa, uh, yeah. my mother's mom, my mother's dad was drunk. He was drunk. Yeah. And everybody just walking around, and uh, and I think one guy. Uh, threw up in the garden and uh, lost his teeth there. <laughs> <laughs> it's dentures. This, yeah. <laughs> um, they, they later on found it the next day or whatever. That must have been a pretty funny uh, sight for uh, for you and mom to come back to. That's right. So. So that was the first date. Uh, so how did how did your dinner go? You never met her before. This is well, the first time talking to her. Well, it was very casual. I don't remember what happened. I mean, you know, dinner <laughs> is just you know. Okay. And. Um, and then, uh, of course, the next day, her dad was kind of embarrassed because he didn't know what he was telling me about, you know, what he could talk to me about. Right, he doesn't remember anything. <laughs> he was mumbling. And yeah, this. we've been but there. I, 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 put her, I put him to bed, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, so then uh, after a day or so like that, they, they finished his business, and then he just said to me, he said, um, uh, he asked me to drive him to... Uh, to Brown. Okay. So I had to rent a car and to take him all the way up to Brown. But what about mom? How did she get back to Brown? Uh, He has another, uh, what he calls a student uh, of his. Okay. And they have another car. Oh, I see. So there are two, you know, we we all go up there, I think. I see. Yeah. Um, So... I think we stop along the way. We stop at Boston for one night, right? And uh, at Boston, in Boston, uh, we had lobster, lobster, and uh, I think I put too much butter on it, and I actually I threw up that night. Oh wow! Uh, but I was also staying with her dad in the same room. Okay. We were sharing the room. You, so you, you and grandpa was staying in the same room and yeah, yeah. mom was in a separate room uh, yeah <laughs> that sounds a little awkward 
Um, I know. Especially since this is, what, the second time you met him? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, anyway, we went up to Brown and then uh, went to graduation and all of this. And, and then I kind of, uh, we got to know each other better. And then, then of course, my uh, grandfather, I mean, not the, May's uh, father has to, your grandfather. Yes. Uh, May's father has to leave. Yeah. And I sort of stayed on. I see. And got to know me much I see. better. <laughs> so you stayed in a, a Rhode Island area. Yeah, right. Okay, after the I graduation. I don't know where I stay. <laughs> I, think, I think I stay, I think uh, I, I don't know. Because I remember I stay at the, the student's house once, but uh, of course not this time. Right. But I don't know where I stay when I was in Brown. I was staying somewhere. <laughs> you found a place to to crash, as the the young kids would yeah, call it. Yeah, I think in those days we we don't care where we stay. We're yeah, just... it sounds like it. Yeah. Um, so it was one of those uh, trips that was started off maybe as a business slash networking trip, and then maybe uh, ended up into something more uh, going forward. Yeah, and I, I actually I kept a kept my all my expenses. I think I remember they all came out to $198 for the trip. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's pretty uh, economical it seems <laughs> to, to meet your future wife especially. Yeah. Uh, okay and then you stay back um, so you got to know her and then I, I guess some sparks flew and you stayed in touch after you went back to Toronto. Yeah we started calling each other and you know for quite a while. Right yeah right. And what was the what was the end trigger for you then to move out of Toronto? Because you know you were there still with uh, your brothers at the time. You had a business. You had a job there. It must have been something uh, you know pretty big for uh, to you know drive you to move you know down uh, to New York. No, actually, there, there was a lot of there was kind of a pressure going on. You know, from home, right, from Taiwan. Okay, trying to get us to get married in in a way. Wow, you know, to to just get it over with, and and, and, and that was quick, right? Because as I remember it, I think you had you guys got married after knowing each other for six months. Only, yeah, right. Which right. is you know pr- quite quick, even in, in either your day or or as my day, right? I think that's quick yeah. in, in any book. <laughs> uh, also, it's uh, kind of uh, like you know we're spending so much money on long distance calls, so we figured might as well. Eat. And also, I want to get out from Canada. Because I was staying with uh, your two uncles, <laughs> and you know there was really no life. <laughs> that that sounds sounded like it was pretty fun. It was you know like a all guys you know kind of frat house type environment. Not frat house at all, <laughs> but uh, it's really trying to you know uh, take care of everybody. And, uh, that's that's a lot of uh, you know if you're doing all this. If you're a single guy, it's much easier. And uh, when you have three, then you have to cook, you have to wash dishes, and do all the, all this kind of stuff. Sure, yeah. sure. So you didn't want to be the older brother uh, taking care of them anymore. So you you wanted to get away yeah. from them. Yeah. Understandable. Um, and and now you had this new romantic interest. Uh, so I figured that was a good chance for me to get away from Canada. <laughs> <laughs> and and rumor has it, um, or else at least urban legend has it, that the way you proposed to mom was. Um, what you alluded to earlier, which is when you one day you were on the phone with her saying that uh, our phone bills are getting too expensive, maybe we should just get married and said, is that true or false? Uh, that's a that's a good reason. For sure. <laughs> I don't know whether I, I used as a, I, I don't even remember if I proposed or not. I don't think I proposed. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't buy a ring? No. Wow. I didn't buy a ring. Nya bought it. Oh, okay. 
Okay. So when you told everything was ready when we get back. When you told Inya that you guys were getting married, then she already had everything prepared. I think they sort of, kind of, like it was like an evolution thing. You know, everything was evolving, and then they said, oh, "Okay, you know, why don't we pick this date?" And you know, this kind of thing. And then suddenly the ring shows up, and then <laughs> the, the venue's done, and so we don't have to do a thing. Everything just happened. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds easy enough. Yeah. Um, so. Both of so, do you move to New York first, or do you guys go back to Taiwan to get married first, and then uh, relocate? We got we got married in New York first. Okay. Oh no no no, that's not right. We got married in uh, Taiwan. Okay. Yeah. So you guys flew back to Taiwan. We got married in Taiwan, and then we we went back to New York, and then we we had a, I think it was a dinner or lunch uh, wedding banquet. Just one table, I think. Just with your friends. Yeah, there. with her, yeah, my friends and uh, and one so-called relative. I don't even know what the actual connection was. <laughs> <laughs> one person there was there to yeah, show up for couple, free food. A couple, there. Yeah. Um, okay. So, what was your Taiwan banquet like? Was it, you know, was it big? Was it grand? Um, you know. Yeah, that was a, like a big thing, you know. Right. Uh, for GTM also. Right. So we we have choirs. Uh, I don't know whether they they already exist or what. I think they did. They 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 had a choir. Okay. Uh, there and so and then, uh, of course. You know I don't know anybody. So right, because you they, spend your time yeah, basically I don't know, away uh, from Taiwan yeah, mostly. So they have the it's just basically a banquet between the two families. Right. But none not none of it for our generation in, right. in a way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So. We just like puppets, you know, going through the ceremony. <laughs> I think uh, your mom was more excited because she sort of, I think it's like every girl's dream that you have to be wedded in a church with, oh. a, you know, a proper wedding gown and all that. Okay. And she was, she was not even a Christian, right? <laughs> so somehow they got this church to to agree and I think we had to go to there and then the priest was asked finally the priest asked oh you intend to be a uh, Christian one day right <laughs> yeah so <laughs> so she she had to say that she was intending or to become yeah, a Christian yeah, yeah. just to get married in the church yeah. uh, not sure if that's the the most Christian uh, way to begin uh, but anyway okay so then you move back to uh, then you move back to New York um, yeah. and then I think it was Jersey right that you. No, no, no. We we went back to New York. We rented a uh, small apartment. Okay. In Queens. Okay. Uh, it's a very small apartment. It's like a one bedroom. Uh, it's a uh, pretty run down in a way. Mm. And so the even the furniture. I think, mom went out one day and uh, came back with a red sofa. Mm, that sounds like her. I don't even know whether it's a second hand one or she picked it up somewhere along the street. <laughs> And the coffee tables and everything else, we sort of, uh, we were, we had, we bought some, uh, you know, uh, plywood and sort of uh, hammered them together. Oh, and, uh, so mom also was helping you hey, hammer yeah, that together? Yeah, she, she was, I was, you know, you won't believe it. She was like, she was quite handy back then. She, uh, yeah, at least she was handier than, for those months. Wow, wow, <laughs> that's, that's very, very hard to imagine. <laughs> um, that's impressive. So and you built a, a little bit of your own furniture, had a little small... It's a little balcony, and then that was nice because then we built a little, I think we built a little 
table up out in the balcony that we can eat out. Mm, nice. Know, Very nice. Of, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, did you both have already jobs lined up at that point? Or then yeah, you so I, I, um, I think I don't remember what I was still working. I think I was already having my own company or I was still working for this other company. Most likely, I have my own company at that time. Okay. Uh, this is separate from the the one the can the company in Canada. There's yeah, another yeah. company. Because you know, um, so I started this company. Um, that's uh, doing actually design work mm-hmm. for GTM. Okay. And you know, in those days, um, we were doing uh, GTM was making fabrics, right? And so we don't know what to put into the fabrics, like the, the patterns and what have you. So we're selling it to these uh, New York companies uh, who will design it, and then they will sell it to apparel manufacturers, mm, mm, okay. like suiting manufacturers. Okay. You know. So like I said uh, in the last episode, I worked for one of them mm. uh, for a while. So I learned well, you know, all the, the trade, actually. I see. So then I started a company, I hired designers, and uh, then we, and then I was giving the designs to GTM to do it, and then I will sell it, and it was really quite profitable, you know. Okay. Uh, so GTM was in essence your OEM, and you were the design arm. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I was also giving orders to uh, Japan at the same time. I see. Yeah. So I, I was trying back, back and forth. I see. And then you and would sell the end products to uh, to the apparel to apparel companies. companies. Yeah. I right. see. Yeah. Okay. So I did that for a while, uh, and uh, so that's when that that was that was going on for a couple of years, like you know, uh, with your mom. Okay. So mom was also working at that company. No, no, mom was. Um, she worked for a bank called uh, Schroders, mm. and uh, so she was, uh, you know, going to work. Okay. Uh, she she's been in she was in banking all all the time. Right, right, yeah. right. So she continued on that path. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, and then uh, what happened to that company, or what did you, you know, how did you? Uh, I was running that company, and then uh, and then, I think Yaya wants me to come, come go back come back to Taiwan. Okay. Okay. So, uh, and he pulled his usual trick. He asked this guy uh, called Zhao Yaodong. Mm. Who lived? Uh, who used to live across the street from us? Okay. And who actually also became the, our competitor. Uh, in between. Sure. Because uh, I don't know why he, uh, some 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 people put up the money or what, and then he was uh, building this factory that's exactly like ours, mm. but more modern. Mm-hmm. And then, because he didn't know too much about the nitty gritties of the comp- of the running the factory, he asked Yaya to uh, let our factory manager to work for him, to show him the ropes, like very blatantly out in the open, just saying, "Can I borrow your factory manager?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Because it was I'm just building. like borrowing, right? Yeah. So it was, we were just letting him. So, and of course, him and Yaya are good friends too. They, they play mahjong all the time, and so. Uh, so we lent him this this uh, factory manager, and of course he never returned. <laughs> That's I, I remember you telling me that story before, and I was like very baffled by it because understand and uh, like I understand that they're good friends, but if you know your friend is building something you know 
going to be directly competing with you then and and then goes on to ask you to you know lend yeah. lend him your uh, factory manager I, I don't understand how that would work well somehow um yaya has been very you know generous, generous. About this kind of thing sure sure and actually we we helped his family as well uh because later on he there was something happened to him i don't know what and he has to leave Taiwan. And so his wife and the, the son has to uh, go to, they went to uh, Hong Kong mm-hmm. and stay with us. Actually. Okay, okay. And he himself went to um, Singapore and worked for a company that's mm, doing like, um, uh, you know, the uh, laundries. Uh, the powder okay the, detergent the detergents okay. things like that somehow he, he was in so his wife stayed with us quite for quite a number of years mm. and as well as the son okay okay so how did uh, how did he play a part in getting you to come back move back so to Taiwan? and then of course he later on came back to Taiwan and then he worked for China Steel and really did a good job on China Steel and then he later became the uh, uh, Minister of Economics Mm. Uh, for Taiwan. Sure. So he became a very big shot. Sure. Uh, but uh, I don't know what his position was at that time. I think he already retired, uh, or he was still economic. Jingji uh, Buzhang. Yeah, Jingji Buzhang. Right. So Yaya asked him to go to New York. So he asked me to go and see him. And uh, at that time, I think I was... I don't know whether I was already in New York or I was in, yeah. Anyway, he he sort of uh, asked me to go to, to stay with him for three days. In New York? In New York. Okay. And, and then, you know, in, his, in the hotel, and he kept on telling me about what's going on in Taiwan and mm. I should come back and mm. all this kind of stuff. Mm. So, and I was at a transition point because I was thinking of whether I should keep on doing, you know, textiles, which is, I can see that's, you know, sooner or later is not going to happen because okay. it's kind of declining. Uh, uh, you know, business is still good, but then it's not, because I can see Japan was going down. Right. It was getting too expensive. Okay. Uh, so I think it was going to happen to Taiwan. Uh, and so at that time, there was just the beginning of the uh, computer was coming up mm-hmm. the PC was coming up so I was interested in that and I was thinking of maybe you know doing something along that line okay um, so it was like a transition point so he sort of said well why don't you go back and try it and see what happened and this kind of thing so I said okay well let's try it you know? huh interesting and, and just like that you were saying okay let's let's try yeah, it yeah, back yeah, to Taiwan. Yeah. so so that's why at the beginning I was the only one coming back to Taiwan mom was still Stay in New Jersey. Oh, really? Yeah, she stayed in New Jersey. Sorry, so uh, you you guys moved from New York to New Jersey, uh, you know, after a couple of years, right? Yeah, right. Okay, because uh, I, I think we skipped over that part a little bit. How did uh, what? Why did you guys decide to move to to Jersey? Um, just because a bigger place. Uh, well, then we own our house. Right. Yeah. So you wanted to buy a house and yeah. then have a have a bigger place. Right. Okay. Um, so mom sort of pushed me into. Buying a car and then from a car to a house. You know, so let's go and look at houses. And see. Okay. Um, so you said in the beginning you were actually li- living in Taiwan and she was living in in uh, still in Jersey. Yeah. How um, long did that go so, on for? 
uh, I don't remember how long that went on, but then mom was really complaining because uh, one night she got, uh, you know, somebody broke into her house. Wow, and, uh, that's scary. So that scared her quite a bit. Right. Yeah, right, right. So eventually she moved back as well. Right. Of course, at that time she was also, she, she finally got her uh, immigrant status. Mm. Uh, so for her to come back, she has to give up her green card and all that. So right. that was to her, it's quite a, a big of, sacrifice. A big sacrifice, yeah. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Um, and she was still working at. Um, That's right. And she then when she came, she then of course she came back and got a job with Citibank. I see. Yeah. So she, was she at Citibank in New York or no, 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 she no, was she, she was in Citibank yeah. in Taiwan. Okay. Um, so I guess eventually she decided to move back. So what about for you when you moved back to Taiwan? Um, you dove right into the into GTM into the family business. No, it was really quite boring. Uh, <laughs> you know, Yaya wants me to come back, but nobody else wants me to come back. What, what, what do you mean by nobody else? Like nobody else in the company? Yeah, well, everybody else got a job already, right? Right. My my coming back was like a threat to them, I think. Sure. So especially the president uh, of the company at that mm. time. Mm. So they just. You know, and Yaya has no program for me or no plan at all for me. Hmm. He, I just had to follow him around and then attend all the meetings, and they were really very boring meetings. <laughs> uh, because, you know, the, all the factory meetings, they, they just go by a format, and they just read out the numbers. Right. And, you know, every week they just filled up, filled up those blanks and then, you know, just read out the numbers. And so it's not that interesting at all. And... And you know, Yaya likes to likes to spend a lot of time in meetings. Mm. And after the you know the meetings with the, um, the each department, and then he has basically three uh, major like uh, uh, key persons in in the company. Okay. Uh, one in sales, and one in uh, the manufacturing part, and one in finance. Mm-hmm. Right? The accounting manager. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they'll be sitting in front of him the whole day long almost, just listening to him, you know, talking about different things and listening to him. So it was really quite boring for me. <laughs> did you did you tell that to Yaya? Did you, um, or did you try to, you know... No, but we had a very good conversation afterwards at nighttime. Okay. You when, and Yaya? Yeah, when I came home and we can talk about a lot of different things, but also about futures and, you know, all this kind of thing. Sure. But in coming to work is really very boring. <laughs> and um, and we used to talk to, you know, to maybe uh, 1 or 2 a.m. in the morning. And Nya would be coming up and say, oh, let's go to bed, and, you know, it's too late and this right. kind of thing. So, but you guys were talking about the future of the business. No, and not just the future of our business, but all kinds of things, you know. Just like so, what like Yaya the- likes to read a lot, of, you know, so he, he has a lot of uh, different, uh, you know, opinions about different things. So we, we got to talk. That, that, those were the good days talking about different things. And, uh, right, maybe like trends in the industry yeah, yeah, or what, what was happening you. in business yeah, yeah. and things so like that. So every night we just talk and talk and talk. Wow. Uh, well, he he did like to talk a lot, so uh, yeah. that makes that makes a lot of sense. Um, so I guess you know, did you coming into the company? You know, you were going through these motions, you were attending these meetings. Maybe you felt like they were boring; they weren't as efficient. Um, did you? I, I mean, I think a lot of times, you know, the the more western, the western educated uh, son comes back to a more traditional company. 
they try to shake things up. They try to say, oh, you know, there's a new way of doing things. or it's a new manager. Um, you want to change the way the company is run. Did you try to do any of that? Or did you try to generally just try to watch and learn and, and preserve kind of uh, the, the company's uh, current status? No, it's not possible, actually, because, you know, I have, I have no position, right? Right. I'm, you were like a I'm special just, assistant kind of. Not even a special assistant because I don't have a title. I just follow him around. <laughs> and uh, the, it took me also a long time just to put in a computer in the company. Right. But I was surprised because um, yeah, I actually signed off on that. And, uh, on buying a computer. On buying a computer. <laughs> and, you know, in those days, the computer has to be, it's like a big thing. And then you have to have a room, special room for it. And then... Uh, we're all con- air conditioned and it's, it's a big uh, project right. in a way right and you know and you have to I think the, the program language was COBOL or, yeah COBOL uh, yeah, COBOL yeah. And, yeah uh, this kind of thing and then huge disk just you sort of load them into a into a machine and, yeah yeah uh, so that was that was it but then other than that I couldn't really do too much so I actually uh, end up doing my own thing. I went back to the trading business. Oh, so uh, you were doing something separate from GTM or within GTM you were doing your own little yeah, project? Yeah, kind of within GTM, but then, you know, uh, because of my connections in, with the uh, U.S., so we start to trade in uh, selling sweaters okay. uh, to people in the U.S. Okay. And that was quite fun. Were these GTM manufacturers? What no, 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 no. We would almost like what we're doing now with the, uh, uh, with the present, you know, like agents. Right. We're buying agents. I see. So we, but we are uh, we'll be going around and buying sweaters from different factories and then selling it to the U.S. Yeah. Um, or else, uh, they will be opening up letter credits to to the factories here. I see. So. I see. And I got two guys, uh, two or three guys actually. Uh, one lady working, uh, you know, just for that. They, because only basically because the English is better. Right. So we're doing that for quite a number of years. And, and, and was it quite profitable that you know that business? Oh yeah, the, you know that kind of you know when you're in trading is basically it can be you know as long as you got a volume right. it can be profitable right. because you don't need too many people right and this is just a percentage you know, a cut on on the sales i think the trading business is, is very interesting for mm-hmm. especially people um from my generation where you know we came up with a gener- and and maybe a generation even younger than me where they're so used to having the internet they're so used to having you know this information transparency um in the world where the trading business generally is you, build, you can build a business off information and asymmetry, right? Because you have access to you know, mm-hmm. these type of factories, you have access to uh, parts of resources that you know, the US might not have, and yeah. you're able to profit from that. Right. Um, and I, th- I think that was, you know, a lot of big companies uh, were built off of that you know, in, in China, in Taiwan, in Hong Kong. Um, whereas I think that is, you know, I think people in our generation don't necessarily think as much about the trading business anymore because you feel like, oh, you can just go online and, and find things and right. you don't necessarily need these agents anymore. Um, well, that, that's why the, the trading company is getting, you know, is tough nowadays. Right. And, and of course, now a lot of the big companies, they don't want to be bothered with all these trading because it's like a lot of work. You have to travel around quite a bit. And like, you know, say if you're just putting a shirt 
together, mm. right? Uh, you have to get the right color threads coming in at the same time as to, to dye the fabrics properly. The, the color has to match. Even the buttons, if you're missing one button, then you know you, you don't get, you can't get shipped. You know, so right, right. A lot of uh, detail work. A lot, a lot of manual yeah, kind of operation, right, right, operational yeah. work. And uh, and you know, so th- that's why uh, later on the, the big trading companies end up doing a lot of things. Not only you have to, because for us at that time we just follow orders. Whatever the orders we have, we just place it. Right. But then you know you have to evolve, and then so nowadays the trading companies you have to have your own designs, right? Or just find new fabrics and new ideas, and also the U.S. big companies, their buyers are not knowledgeable anymore. Right. Uh, before, for us, like you know, we we can show a small piece of fabric to a buyer, and he will understand exactly what's going on and what it will look like when it turns into a, a, a apparel. But nowadays, uh, these younger uh, designers, uh, the buyers, they don't understand. Right. So they have to see the whole garments. Right. So they they outsource, I guess, a lot of. So lot they more outsource. Of that. Yeah, you have to do a lot of work for them. Yeah, right. yeah, no, that makes sense. Uh, what did What did Yaya think about the trading business, or, or uh, you know, did did he like it? Did he feel like he wanted to put more resources into it, or was he just still focused on the manufacturing piece? No, he just you know he just let me do my thing, yeah. and I was very busy, so everybody was happy. Okay. Okay. Yeah, and then. Uh, we also branch into uh, knitting yarns. Okay. Uh, like, you know, the, the housewife doing the hand knitting. Thing. Sure. So we, we were doing that. Sure. And for a while, uh, the first couple of years, we were very successful to a point because what, what we did was, instead of trying to sell just the yarns, we, we, we uh, had uh, we have schools mm-hmm. teaching people how to knit. Mm-hmm. And so that brought up a lot of uh, business. So, and the yarns were coming from the uh, UK. Right. And so they even sent a guy over to find out exactly what we did so they can try to copy it. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I see. Um, so the so there was a couple, I guess there was a couple of different business lines that are revenue generators for the company yeah, yeah. Uh, at that point. Um, and then I, at this point, we hadn't gone into electronics at all yet, right? No, that was way down the line. Way down actually. the line. So, yeah. what about retail? I, I know at some point we went into retail. I'm not sure, quite sure what. Yeah, we, uh, because the business is kind of saturated, you know, as far as we, we can go. So, we sort of think, well, maybe we should go into retail and we should go into apparels and, uh, you know, suits and stuff like that. Right. So, we tried that and then we found out that, um, so we had actually a manufacturing plants to making pants. Right. And, and suits. Right. Uh, but then we found out that, you know, the landlord actually takes up most of the profit. Mm. Plus, you, you have an inventory problem. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, not only you have to have different colors for, say, one style, you have to have different colors, sure. different sizes, you know. Yeah, different patterns, maybe. patterns. And yeah. So it's, 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 a, it, it's a lot of uh, details and and uh, you end up with uh, inventory. And fast retailing hasn't come up yet at sure, that time. Sure, So we kind of, de- later on, we kind of decided to get out from that. Because the retail it's, piece. it's not, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, uh, but I do remember, I think, you know, when I was growing up, and I guess 
this around this time is when uh, me and uh, Lillian were born, That's right? right? Yeah, so we, we were, were models. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we and we were models for um, you know some of the catalogs. Uh, I think you know hopefully those are, are destroyed. Uh, I don't think we're uh, particularly great models uh, for the brand back then. But I remember uh, passing by our, our store every day when I was going to and from school uh, in my school bus because mm. um, it, it was right next to Yaya's house. And I think the, the story or the legend is that Yaya really wanted that spot as our, our flagship store because um, that was a place where he passed by every day when he was going to work. Yeah, uh, actually everybody was against that place. <laughs> but he insisted that we, we bought it, so right. we had to buy it, he right. was the boss. <laughs> right, right. Also, but, but I guess the good thing is that we, we did end up purchasing that place, which that's right. um, you know, the real estate then ends up having some value down the line. Yeah, well, we still have that place. So. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> um, what type of, I mean, having worked, you know, at, th- at this point, I think you work very closely, I guess, with Yaya for, you know, five, six, seven years already um, being in the company. Did that, you know, did you learn more about him as a businessman um, or, you know, was that, you know, what was it like kind of working with him uh, so closely, uh, you know, for, for, that man- for that amount of time? It's, uh, it's kind of sometimes it's difficult to work with him because, you know, uh, when you talk to him about something and he'll, he will say, you know, he will give you all the, uh, the, all the problems that might happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, so then if something happened, then, of course, he said, I already told you. Right, you know. right, sure. And if it's good, then, you know, he deserves it because he, <laughs> he approves it. So, so that was kind of uh, frustrating sometimes, you know. Uh, instead of, uh, he doesn't give you a real solid go-ahead or no. He would just talk around it and then talk about the thing and then, you know, about what would happen and uh, uh, all the risk that's involved and right. this kind of thing. Right. But never really say go ahead or, or if you, or he will, and most of the time he will say let's think about it, and that that's like going on forever. Right, right, right. That's so, the the action is the inaction. Yeah, right. Um, but I think that's quite interesting because you know from what it sounds like, obviously I never really ended up working with him very closely, but it sounds like he was a very conservative uh, business person, um, and he thought a lot about you know potential risks and, and things like that, which are are you know obviously good because you need to go into something or a new venture with, you know, a, a full understanding of, of what the risks and rewards are. Um, but yet, you know, he has, he built the business from the ground up and he's built a lot of different streams of business and different revenue streams throughout his life and throughout his career um, as an entrepreneur. And, and generally as an entrepreneur, you need to take a lot of risks, right? Um, so it seems like a little bit of a juxtaposition to me, um, just, you know, hearing you talk about that. But maybe it's it's a you know different aspect of, of him as a businessman. Like once we got a little bit bigger, then he became more conservative. Um, I think you know in those days things move a lot slower than now. Sure. So to him, you know, after a while we, we got stabilized and uh, he he was really enjoying himself, right? Because, <laughs> you know, his day after day is doing the same thing. Right. So uh, the competitors are there already and. Uh, so it was like, you know, not, I think the, the biggest move that he did really was uh, when he cut off the uh, wholesalers. Okay. 
because at that time we were manufacturers and then there were wholesalers and then retailers mm-hmm. uh, the like the the tailor shops right? sure so he we were selling to these wholesalers and then these wholesalers actually are making a lot of money because they don't pay us on time or they pay us in for a very long accounts payable time mm-hmm. Days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if they don't get paid by the the tailors they don't pay us right and usually it's like you know they don't pay us they don't pay us to the next season so we are financing them from season to season sure so but then to cut them off that means once you cut off then you don't know what will happen like you know we're selling only to wholesalers right so, so we need to be able to reach all the retailers ourselves yeah um and not be dependent on them right yeah and and then how are we going to evaluate you know how are we going to get the money back from get the money from the retail uh, from the tailor the retail guys and mm-hmm. then, you know all this kind of problem comes up and to decide to uh, cut them off was really a big thing right because you cut one off the others might cut you off too you sure know? so sure it can be a chain reaction and that that's our whole business right in, in a way so I think that was the that was the most you know decisive decision he, he did right really and it worked and uh, we put up a very good system actually right uh, we eventually we spent a lot of time and he and his staff spent a lot of time uh, you know devising the, the problem because you don't know when you send people out to get the money from the tailors they park the, the sales the salesman might pocket the money sure because you know you just you have to go and collect them it's not like here you can wire them or right right you know so uh, there are a lot of little things uh, that happen. Uh, so, anyway, so he got that through. That was very decisive. Right. Uh, the only time I've seen him, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he has flashes of, of decisiveness and and uh, good strategy that yeah, ends yeah, up. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think it's, it sounds like sounded like a pretty bold strategy that yeah. that paid off for that, the, that was for the family. Big thing, yeah. Yeah. And then of course, um, uh, the my biggest project at that time was really trying to go IPO. Okay. And that was difficult. Okay. Uh, because why 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 were you uh, so fixated on going I, going IPO? Well, because I can see where this, everything is going, right? Uh, when I came back, it's like having a crystal ball in my hand. I I can see the textile industry is going down. Mm-hmm. But then at that time, we we're doing great. So it's very difficult to convince people that you know we need to branch out to do something else, or we need to to move the factories to a cheaper place and all this kind of thing. Yeah, the classic kind of, uh, um, you know, successful company dilemma that, you know, big companies get into. Uh, you become a slave maybe to, to, to your success. success. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So that was uh, very difficult. And uh, even trying to move the factory out from Taiwan or, uh, or you know, let alone IPO. Right. So that took me quite a long time right. just to achieve. Yeah. Um, was that was that something just difficult for you to navigate internally, especially with Yaya, in terms of convincing him that this was the right move? Because, you know, I think as a, you know, a classic entrepreneur slash founder, you know, they're gonna be very tied to their way of doing things because, you know, what they did was what got the company to where it's at today, right? Um, so some oftentimes it becomes difficult to to convince them, saying, hey, it's you know time to make a shift because you know the the times are changing basically yeah that's uh, you know it's very difficult because to him why should I share my profits with somebody else as a, when you go public you're, right you're right of course 
then then uh, it was like a no go for 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 a long time, right? right? Uh, then of course the Taiwan's the stock market took off. Mm-hmm. So um, then they realized that well, it's a good thing to be a public company, right? Uh, so so the he finally said, okay, let's go ahead with it. So, and that was because the, the stock market was doing so, so we well. missed Actually, we missed the wave already, right? Okay. Because the first wave got on, and sure. they can see how everybody's making the money and yeah. you know, going expansion and what have you. Yeah. So then finally they decided to, okay, then even I got support from maybe the staff, right? Right. Because at that time, they don't want to be, to be harassed by shareholders, sure. small shareholders. Sure. So... <clears throat> So they, they start to to get it going, mm, but then you know uh, if you look at all the stock markets, uh, the new stock 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 markets going around the world. Mm. At the beginning, the first wave of companies that go public. You know, if you're making a lot of money like everybody else, you don't want to share with others. Yeah. So they're usually those who are in trouble, mm. who will go public. Because they need the money. They're trying to fundraise. Yeah. Okay. And then the, the system itself, the, like the stock market, the, the stock exchange system and everything is not mature yet at right. that time. Right. So, and then the government tries to promote it. So it's quite easy to sort of navigate yourself around it and then get, get the IPO going. Right. For, as a first round. Right. So there are a lot of companies that went public and then... Went they, bust. They, they, yeah, went bust. Right. So then... You know, to the banks, somehow, some banks will say, well, you know, those going public must be something wrong with them. And that's exactly what happened when uh, Yaya played golf with one of the bankers. <laughs> and he told him, we're going to go public, we're, you know, applying to go public. He said, you're doing so well, why do you want to go public? Right. So immediately the next day, he just... Did a 180. <laughs> yeah, he just, yeah, ran it. That, that was it. <laughs> what about what about Grandpa? What about, um, you know, Wai Gong? Like, he was obviously a, a very seasoned banker. Um, he never talked business, actually. I see, I yeah. see. So he never he never asked him for advice for, yeah. uh, you know, the, the business and the company and no. things like that. Right. Interesting. Uh, and then, of course, uh, then, then, of course, a couple, you know, a couple of years afterwards, then, he said, okay, let's go public again. So we're in the process of going public, and then right at the very end, then we found out that, you know, so say, you know, if you go public, uh, say if we go go apply now, right? Yeah. Then you go, you can go IPO next year. Okay. So, but then next year, the shareholders will, will have to pay out dividends. So the dividends will be the profit from this year. Right. Which they are not a shareholder. Right. Well, you know. Right. Right. So to Yaya, that's not fair. So <laughs> he said that's He's no. like, I'm sharing profits with I you know. that when you weren't, we weren't a shareholder. Yet. That's right. Yeah. So why should I give my profit to you? <laughs> so that was the end of that. Like. Understandable. <laughs> <laughs> so it took us quite a, quite a long time just to, to end up going public. What was the final trigger for him uh, eventually? Or did you just kind of wear him down after uh, you know pestering him for, for yeah, many years? Yeah, I guess he finally gave up. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, I think from the stories that I hear from, from people who, you know, were part of that, it seems like the Taiwan stock market really was taking off, uh, you know, quite a lot, quite well at that time. Um, so people were just becoming, you know, maybe not millionaires, but, you know, close to millionaires, um, you know, overnight once they listed their companies and people were, 
uh, going to restaurants and opening expensive bottles of wine and things like that every night, right? So it seems like Taiwan was really um, in the in the cusp of an economic kind of um, ascension at the time. Yeah. Well, you know, when we went public and then, you know, we, we're doing well and then uh, uh, at one time I remember our PE came up to be 125. Wow. So I was telling Yaya, I said, look, you know, your PE is 125. That means if I, even if I keep on making the same amount of profit every year, right. it's going to take me 125 years to, to get the money back. Sure. And if I sell it now, I can open another, you know, couple of factories like this. Sure, sure, you know? sure. But, of course, he doesn't. And then, of course, I was, in my mind, you know, I didn't think that's going to go on forever because textiles, I, f I feel that it's not a long-term situation. Right, right. But of course, he said, well, I never sell, you know. <laughs> um, understandable. I think it was, you know, um, this financial market situation, it doesn't seem, it, it seems like it was still a very new thing for, yeah. for that generation. Right. Right. Um, the capital markets. Um, how did you feel like that, you know, you talk a lot about, you know, some of the frustrations, some of the discussions, and, and also some really good points about, you know, working directly with Yaya all those years. How do you think that uh, really affected, uh, for better or worse, um, you know, your relationship with him as, as father or son? Do you think that was net-net a positive? Uh, well, it's difficult to say because, you know, I do... I learned quite a bit from him, right? Because right. he, he talked about a lot of different things. Uh, and also about uh, people, uh, about uh, how to, you know, and he's, been, he's very good at judging people. Mm. So uh, he's, uh, you know, I, I can't remember a, a time that he was wrong. So that was really important. But it's uh, frustrating. I think you know we always blame it on his uh, blood type being A and A B type. <laughs> so he flip flops a lot. Yeah, he flip flops quite a bit. <laughs> you know, so one day is good, next day is no good, and then this and I think because he, he thinks a lot, you know, sure. about different things. And, sure. And you know, and I still I don't think of him as an entrepreneur because all the situations were forced upon him. Right. It's not that he he would have to take the risk on his own, right? It's just something that that he just have to do it. Right. Uh, and uh, basically, I think, you know, in, in that generation, because, you know, if you, are, you have one business and, you know, day in, day out, you do the same thing and then you, you got to establish. So you have a lot of, you still have a lot of free time on hand. Right. So, you know, they have people playing mahjong, playing golf, and then going to nightclubs and, you know, things like that. I, I, I can feel that, you know, in, in his generation, they will really have a life. Right. You know? They like to enjoy. They have the Yeah, yeah, they the can enjoy life. And whereas, you know, now nowadays, we're, we're like working almost like 24 hours a day. So right. it's a different kind of a situation. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Um, no, I think that that's great that he was able to, you know, continue to you know, maintain the social aspect, uh, yeah. maybe the family aspect as well with, you know, four uh, boys, you know, spread across the world, spend time with you, you know, talking till 1 a.m. I think having that balance um, sounded like it was important for, yeah. for people of that generation. Um, and I think to your point, I think that's something that gets a little lost now when everyone's trying to just, um, you know, get a leg up on, on their competitors, so mm -hmm. always working. 
Um, okay, and then I guess this, uh, the next move for the company then is moving into electronics, right? So I think that, that was something that happened after the company went IPO? Uh, yes. Okay. Right. Well, we, we didn't think about electronics at all at that time. Right. Right. So we're really thinking more about survival okay. of the textile okay. part of it. Okay. So I, I've been trying to uh, push uh, to have the factories move out to a cheaper place. Mm. But Yaya was against that. Okay. So you wanted to move them to, I don't know, China, yeah, India? Yeah, China, what have you. Because sure. I, I actually I took a, a couple of trips you know, all over Asia. Mm. And I have the bankers introducing different partners to us. Right. So I was in in uh, Thailand. I went to Indonesia, uh, Vietnam. Uh, Just in, to look at factories. India was there. not on our mind actually I see. at that I see. time. Yeah. Uh, and Yaya was just basically it's just just like you know taking the his favorite toys away from him. Right? <laughs> <laughs> You're moving the factories out. Sure. Sure. So he says, "Just no way." And he said. You know, he always have a saying saying Hang Hang Chu Zhuang Yuan. Right. So there's always a number one in every business. Sure. So he said, you know, you just have to figure it out, you know, wait you just stay put and then figure out a better way of, you know, doing it. Stay stay in your current yeah, lane and find right. a better way and to do it. And instead of he, he thinks that's a lazy way out. Finding because a trying cheaper. to a cheaper place to move the factory to a cheaper place and then, you know, okay. it's okay. a lazy way out. Okay. Yeah. Um uh, but of course, finally, uh, I don't know what triggered it. Uh, I guess maybe because I got him involved. Because mm. at the beginning, I was doing all my, by myself, right? Mm-hmm. And he, he he would just say, no, no, no. Uh, then, of course, India comes along. And we were uh, giving works to, because business was good, and then we were giving works to an Indian company, Indian factory, mm. to manufacture fabrics for us. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, then this Indian guy, uh, called Prem Mira, he he the Indian big families always have some family feud or something. He and his uncles, they they sort of they were running this factory, and so they they try to get us to join them to have a joint venture to give them our our technology and okay. you know, how to make fabrics and all that. Okay. So. Uh, he was selling fabrics to us, and we found him to be very, relatively honest because when we have a claim on quality, he always uh, will take you know steps to remedy them. So, uh, so we, we were doing business for him for quite some time. Then, uh, so we we had a trip, uh, Yaya and I. We went to India mm. uh, to see their factories, and uh, we start to talk. So for some reason. Uh, Yaya thinks India would be okay, okay to start a factory. Okay. Uh, then this uh, the, this guy he had a fallout with uh, his uncle, mm. and so the uncle they had a big fight. The uncle even calling the police saying that he was trying to smuggle fabrics in his car of the factory <laughs> or something. You know, it was okay. really bad. Okay. Uh, so he wanted to. Then he decided to come out on his own to start his own factories as well. So he asked us to uh, to join, mm-hmm. and Yaya somehow said okay. So that's how we started the factory in India. In India, uh-huh. and I wasn't that keen on India because it was just like you know too foreign to us. Sure, but then um, 
Then what happened was this guy also asked another company uh, called EAC, uh, East Asiatic Corp. And that's a very big Danish trading company. Mm. Uh, they have another uh, company underneath them uh, that's uh, doing the wool business. Okay. They sell the raw wool and uh, to worldwide. Okay. They were trading companies. So he got them to join them as well, join the joint venture okay. as well. So uh, that sounds great because uh, the Danish government was uh, had an incentive program saying that if a Danish company invested into an underdeveloped country, they will match the fund. Mm. And if you're successful, they will sell the shares at cost back to you. Okay. If you fail, then of course they fail with you. Sure. So that sounds like, you know, yeah, like good, cheap good deal. capital, yeah, right? Yeah. Plus this Danish company, they have another branch that's in the, uh, in the printing business. Mm-hmm. And they've been in India for uh, 30 years already. Okay. So I figured then I can use their expertise on, you know, trying to run. The, getting, getting to know the, the market. Know the mar- not just the, mar- not the market, but to move and maneuver around the bureaucracy. Sure, sure, stuff sure, like that. sure. So, so that's, so it, it became a three-way, like three partners. Right. Uh, the, the Indian guy has a much smaller shares. Mm. Uh, so it's just us and then the EAC Corp. Okay. And that went along quite well, okay. actually. Yeah. Okay. So that's how we started the India India factory. Uh, so so we, that's how we got started. But then I didn't really like it right um, at the beginning because I was advocating to buy, at that time the textile industry was already starting to come down, mm. especially in Europe. Mm. So I was advocating that we should buy old machines. Because they, they use machines, sure, and uh, it's cheap and uh, they they run well and uh, we can do it. But somehow this Indian guy turned around, he bought all brand new machines, right? And that's always a problem when you have uh, partners, and nobody says a thing. So and it was already too late. He bought it. So I always suspect that he took uh, uh, some kind of commission from. Sure buying the machines and then use that as his capital to invest into our company. Sure, So sure. he got everything sort of free. Sure. And it's difficult because he's the one on the ground, so you don't, right. you don't know what That's right. you know, is actually going on. But um, but the Danish guy didn't say anything, and then, of course, they didn't know anything about the machines anyway. Right. So he bought all brand new machines. And uh, and the problem was that, that you know we only make uh, money a couple of years, but then usually we're not making you're not making it somehow. Mm-hmm. We're losing money. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and so the Danish guy, at the same, at, you know, after a couple of years, the Danish people, the 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 head office decided that they're going to trim down, mm. and they want to concentrate it on only a couple of uh, industries. Okay. So they decide not to get into the uh, textiles anymore. Okay. Okay. So they sold it to an Australian company, a trading company, okay. another trading company. Okay. And uh, that was kind of a bad experience. Right. And so anyway, we, uh, after a few years with this uh, Australian companies, I decided to sell, sell as well. I see. So, yeah. what, what are the, and maybe we can use this as a, as a wrap-up question uh, since we're running up on, closing up on time, but what would be some of the, the takeaways or 
the lessons that you think you learned from you know this kind of multi-party um, and cross-country, uh, cross-border partnership? Um, you know, if you had to you know do it again, what would be the lessons learned there? Well, I think basically uh, you have to have good lawyers <laughs> <laughs> to make sure you cover everything. Sure, it's just not like you know because I was always going under the. The, the idea of, you know, if you're partners, you trust each other. Sure. And uh, you sort of, uh, you know, we, we, everything is open, and but sometimes it doesn't turn out that way. And right. And there are always things happening, and then, uh, so. Would you say that that's maybe the first time in your career that, you know, you've gone to a partnership and maybe, you know, gotten burned a little bit in, in terms of that experience? So, you know, that helped you know, you later on become more, more cautious. Um, oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, great. So uh, I think we'll, we'll end things there. And uh, maybe the next episode, we can get into some of the other key milestones uh, for the family business, as well as the family. Um, you know, some like some of the things that uh, that I just described, like going into the electronics business, um, some of the biotech stuff that we invested in, as well as uh, eventually moving into uh, more of a real estate management company that, that we are today. Um, as well as, you know, I think listeners would love to hear more uh, stories about, you know, h- how the family uh, was growing and evolving uh, during that time. Um, you know, as all the, the third generation, uh, the grandkids, myself and, and Lillian included, uh, are born. So uh, tune in next time uh, for the next episode. Thanks. Thanks.